I wanted to talk today because um, I think prayer is so important as we begin a new year. And I know some of us kind of roll our eyes at that, like, oh, yeah, we're a church and you're a preacher, and of course you want to say that. But here's the deal. I think we, our minds are scattered in today's world. I think we have such an information flow coming at us. We, we can't assimilate all of it. Um, I think it causes so many things in us. Um, depression is at an all-time high. And I think we need a little bit of focus in life. And I think Jesus' prayer, the, the, the prayer that he teaches us to pray, I think causes us to slow down and focus on some things that are really important for our daily lives. These aren't disconnected from our daily lives. Um, last week, uh, last weekend, my youngest son, who's in second grade, was in, he was taking a shower in our bathroom. And um, I was in the bedroom doing something, uh, probably folding clothes like I do all the time. Um, my wife's not here this service, so I can say that. Um, watching TV, I don't know what I was doing, but, but all of a sudden, uh, Charlie in the, in the shower, he'll often play with toys or whatever, and um, all of a sudden I heard him like in this low voice, and he was kind of making his voice rumble. Uh, I heard him saying, I have a dream. <laughs> and I was like, is he saying I see dead people or I have a dream? Like, which one is he saying? And so I I kind of got up from what I was doing and, and just stood right outside the doorway and, and kind of listened. You know how you do when you have little kids? And I have a, he just kept saying it over, I have a dream. And, um, and then I heard him say, he, like he didn't fill in a whole sentence, but he just said, little boys and little girls, I have a dream. And um, so I like kind of walked around the corner. I was like, Charlie. And it startled, startled him. And I said, are you are you saying a speech that you've heard? And he said, yeah, Martin Luther King Jr., do you know that, Dad? And I was like, <laughs> I do. I do know that. And uh, so he finished his shower, and we were eating dinner that night, and I came back to it with him. It's like one of my favorite speeches of all time. And uh, it, it's this, we, as we were talking about it at dinner, it's this vision that Martin Luther King Jr. had, this amazing uh, revolutionary message and I asked my, my second grader, I said, so, like, what do you think he was trying to say in that speech? And he said, um, I don't know. He had, he had a dream that, that one day, like, people could just maybe get along and not, not really look at each other because of the way they looked or judge them, that they could just respect each other. And I was like, that's a pretty good summary from a, from a second grader. I was like, that's awesome. And um, so then I talked to him about uh, at dinner, you know, so what do you think, like, they had to do for that dream? Was it just a dream that he just hoped? No, no, there was some action involved in it. Like, it wasn't just somebody standing up saying, I have a dream, and, and maybe one day this will happen. There was, like, a commitment to a new way of living that, that drove a people to, to live differently. And I said to him, I said, you know what? God has a dream. And uh, he was like, really? And I said, yeah. And uh, we were talking last weekend, and I think Don did a brilliant job. We were talking about the kingdom of God. And I think this is God's dream. Like if God had an I, ha if, if, if he had an I have a dream speech, it would be the kingdom of God. And at the very end of the Bible, Revelation, we, we get this picture of his dream. You know what it says? Like John said, he had this vision of, 
uh, like heaven crashing into earth, and there was a new heaven and a new earth. And he said God was with his people, and he said there'll be no more death and no more dying and no more pain, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I have a dream. And I, I thought, man, the, like the, the ideas that Martin Luther King was further, it's like this dream that God has, and it is not a passive prayer for us to engage in. It's not like a wait and see or hope it happens. Like when we pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done, we're like leaning in with our full selves into a new way to live in the world. And just like those uh, in the days of Martin Luther King and this, this racial injustice uh, had to, to give themselves to living differently, that's what God calls us to, a radical way of living a Jesus way of living that changes everything. And this is the kingdom of God coming into the world today. And one day it will come fully. This will happen. But God invites us in the present to be a part of that. It's not a passive prayer. Um, Sometimes we view prayer as this like, God, I I mean, I love a new car and... um, I need this, and I need that, and so I I just, God, I hope these things can happen. I pray they would happen. Amen. And it's like this, hands off the wheel, God, you do your thing. I once heard someone say, like, you should pray as if it depends on God, and then you should work as if it depends on you. Like, it's it's this commitment. So when we pray, may your kingdom come, we're like committing ourselves to live differently as the people of God. That's the call of our of everyone who claims to follow Jesus. So let me backtrack and walk us through this prayer, and then we'll land on today. So we begin the prayer with these simple words, our Father, our Father. It's, it's this relational, uh, it's this relational connection that, that, that we all have with, with the creator of the universe. It's not ceremonial. Like prayer is not this ceremony uh, it's not this ritual of going through the motions. It's this, it's this relational connection that we have with God. We talked about the, the prodigal son. You remember the story of the prodigal son? One of the sons takes his inheritance, and he runs, and he blows everything and wild parties, and he finds himself kind of at the low part of his life, and he's like, man, I could work for my dad and live better than I'm living right now. And the son comes back. And it's almost like he's crawling on the ground to his father, just hoping and begging that his father will hire him as a worker at his house. And Jesus tells this story, and he's like, no. The father was like on the edge of the front steps. And when he sees his son coming, he like sprints to him. And the son like falls on the ground to you know, apologize, and, and the dad, like, wraps him up and lifts him and embraces him. You're my son. You were, you were lost, but now you're found. And sometimes there's, there's many of us who think, if I go to God in prayer, I'm going to get this from God. Like, I don't deserve to go to God in prayer. It's been too long. I don't know what to say. And if I, if I even open up the conversation with God, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get this. And Jesus says, no, 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 you've got God all wrong. He's your father. 
He's your Father, and He is unlike any person or experience you've ever had in this world. He is bigger and better than anything you can imagine. You know, hallowed be His name, the, the prayer says. Hallowed be His name, which means He's bigger and better than anything we can imagine. Aren't you thankful for that? You can say amen to that. I mean, that's a good thing. Like anything you've experienced in this world, God is bigger and better than that. And Jesus teaches us to enter into prayer with this understanding that it's a relationship and God is so much bigger and better than I could ever imagine. And then, may your kingdom come, revolutionary, earth-shattering kind of story. God's kingdom coming into this world and everything is different. It's revolutionary. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we have this mind-blowing view of the vastness of what God wants to do. His kingdom, which has no political boundaries, it has no nationalistic boundaries, it is a worldwide movement of people because God loves all of us the same. So it's this like huge picture, God's kingdom. And then what Jesus does, I think there's a lot of tension here, he, 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 like we've got this big view and then it's like, and then give us today our daily bread. Wait, I thought we were talking about some revolutionary message. Like I thought we were asking God for the moon. And yeah, we are. But we also need him to provide what, what sustains us in life. Like you also need you know, breath in your lungs. And you, you also need bread on the table. So you should ask God for that. Give us today our daily bread. I, I, oftentimes when I'm, when I'm preparing, and I've been preparing for a number of weeks for these, uh, these messages, and uh, I'll read all I can read about scholars who are thinking about this passage. And N.T. Wright says this, and I think it's a an important reminder that God intends us to pray for specific needs. Like he cares about the little things that, that we don't think he, he, he really cares about. H- have you ever been late for a meeting and you're, you're driving and you know that you left late? It's your fault. And you're driving and, you know, you're kind of pulling in and you feel bad, but you say it anyway. God, I pray that there's a parking spot at the very front of this parking lot. I mean, has anybody ever prayed that? You, you want to know? God cares. He does. And we kind of laugh and it's kind of silly, but God cares about that. God cares about whatever it is that weighs your soul down today. And some of you, I mean, you know what, you know what I'm talking about. This, God, I, I am so lonely. I just need a friend. I feel all alone where I am today. And, and I just need a person. I don't have a person. Jesus says, pray for it. Your father hears you. And he wants, he wants you to come to him for your needs. God, I, I need something between me and my person. I need some healing. Like we've said things, we've done things, and it feels like there's no step forward. God, I, I need you to do something that I can't do. I need you. Like God cares about the small things that weigh our souls down. And Jesus says, pray for them. 
even the trivial things that we don't really think God hears. He hears, and he cares more than we can imagine. Um, so, real quick, I think there are these strong ties in the Old Testament. Uh, this concept of, of daily bread and bread uh, is found throughout the Bible. And if it's okay, I want to just do a quick sketch of the Old Testament, a really quick sketch where there's some foundation that I think kind of could open our eyes to, to what Jesus is telling us to pray for. Is, is that okay? Okay. The other half of you doze off for a little bit. I'll call you back when we're done. Um, so Jesus, or, or God's people, the Israelites, uh, were in slavery. Many of you know this story in Egypt. And they, they were forced into labor. They made bricks. And they had to produce a certain number of bricks every day. And this is who they were and what they did. And they were crying out to God for deliverance. God, get us out of this place. I don't want to be a slave anymore. Could you help us? Could you help us? And finally, God sends Moses. You guys know this miraculous story. Pharaoh finally lets God's people out of Egypt. And they're on their way to the promised land. And they find themselves in the wilderness or the desert. Um, We choose to live in the desert because it's beautiful, right? outside of Valley Fever. And then, um, so they're, they're traveling in the, in the wilderness and the desert, headed to the promised land, and they begin complaining. And uh, it's this fascinating story. You should go back and read it. Um, they, they say, God, we wish you would take us back to slavery. Like, take us back to Egypt. To which, may, you know, we think, what in the world? Those ungrateful little kids... No, no, take us back to slavery. Why? Because in slavery, we at least knew where our bread was coming from. And so God, and I think this is foundational for his people, which includes us as followers of Jesus. God says to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day, the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. So this miraculous story that every morning... Uh, The Israelites in the wilderness would get up. They would go out into the desert. There would be this uh, kind of a dew on the ground, and as it dried up, there was this flaky substance called manna. They could pick that up, and they could eat it. And God said, take as much as you need for the day. Now, uh, the Israelites, uh, maybe like some of us, a few of them thought to themselves, you know what? Uh, My mom gave me that Tupperware to pack when I went to college, and I'm wondering if I... If I got out early enough, if I gathered enough, put it in the Tupperware, which holds well, and uh, put it into my little tent, I wonder if the next day I could actually sleep in and not have to get up and work. Does anybody like sleeping in? This service, it's the second service. All of you like sleeping in. (laughs) Um, You would have done this, right? I would have done this. And so uh, they open their Tupperware that next day and come to find out there are maggots in the manna. It actually says that in the Bible. I know it sounds gross. It's in the Bible. You should read it. Great stories. Um, there are maggots in there. And, uh, and, and God says, I don't want you to take more than you need. Why? Because I want you to learn to trust me. I want you to learn to trust that I'm going to provide what you need each and every day. Now, God knew where they were going But in the present situation, he wanted them to learn trust so they wouldn't forget him when they got to where they were going. Some of us today are going through a desert time. 
And, and I think God wants us to learn some stuff today so that when we get to where we're going, we won't forget who he is. Um, a little later in the story, uh, God continues on. When you have become full and prosperous and you've built fine homes to live in, be careful. Now, I, <laughs> I think these are great words for us. When you've become full and prosperous and built fine homes to live in, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord. He gave you water from the rock, which is another incredible story. He fed you with manna in the desert, and he did this. Now, here's the why. He did this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and ability. Foundationally. God wanted his people, and he wants us to trust him, to trust that he will provide everything that we need, to depend upon him. A couple questions that I think are good for us to, to, to wrestle with. Uh, the first one is this, where does all of this come from? It has to do with provision. Where does all this come from? Um, like you, I sit down at my table, and... The answer to that question is fairly simple. It comes from sprouts or from fries, and then it went into our oven or microwave, hopefully the oven, um, and then it was placed on the table. And, and prior to fries or sprouts, I have no idea where it came from. Well, it's a great question for us. Where did it come from? Who provided what was needed for the food that ends up on my table. Who provided for that? And I think the, the Israelites, um, their, their tables were obviously different. That bread on their table, there were some ingredients, like the grain, for example. Well, grain turned into flour, ground up, turned into flour. That grain needed rain. It needed sunlight. It needed soil conditions. And, and I think God just simply wanted them to know that even though they might have baked the bread, God provided the bread. He provided what was needed. Uh, for us, as we sit down at our table, and we might not have bread on the table. Some of us are, you know, gluten-free and opposed to bread, anti-bread. That's okay. The broccoli. <laughs> it needs soil conditions. It needs water. It needs sunlight. It needs things that we can't create. It needs to be fried. I think someone just said that. Yes. <laughs> um, it needs certain things to, to, to be what can nourish us, what we need to survive. And everything's like that. I think it's a great question. Like, where does all this come from? Now, beyond our food... Think about this. How many times in a week do you walk in and out of your house? How many times a week do you turn on your lights? How many times a week does the air conditioner or the heat just automatically pop on because there's like a gauge that measures it and tells it when to come on? And like, where does all of this come from? And you might say, well, it comes from Honeywell or it comes from... But, but who gave us the capacity to get what we have? I mean, I think that's the question. 
And do we trust that that God will provide everything that we need? Beyond that, dependence. Like, who do we depend on? And um, I'll be the first to say, I often get stressed out. Like, am am I good enough? Are they going to want to keep me around? You know, are we, do we have enough money coming in? And like, are we doing enough for the kids and the students? And like, is, is it good? And like, and I think to myself, I need to depend on my own abilities and my own strength. And if you're honest, many of you rely on your own strength, ability, your smarts, your attitude, your grit, which is a good thing. All those things, you, you depend on those for, for providing what you need. And I think this prayer is this brilliant reminder that we should depend upon God. That he's the one who gave us our minds. He's the one who gave us our attitudes. It doesn't let us off the hook. We still have to work hard, right? He's given you abilities and passions. He's put you exactly where you are for his purposes. Listen, we either depend on ourselves or we depend upon God. And it's a great question to wrestle with when we come uh, to a moment like this. Um, I've got a couple other little things, but before we get there, we're going to sing a couple songs. And we just want to give you some time to think and reflect on those two questions. And as we do this, um, we try to create an environment and some spaces around the room where you can respond or where you can take a step. Sometimes it's, it's taking physical steps and doing something that causes us to remember and uh, turn to God. So uh, as we sing, uh, there's a cross here and there's some paper uh, here on the edge of the stage. And maybe you want uh, to write out a prayer. Maybe for you, you feel like I haven't prayed in such a long time. And, um, and maybe you just want to write out a prayer. Maybe for you, there's something specific in your life that you need to ask God for today. And maybe nobody else knows it, uh, not even those who are closest to you. So maybe you just want to write that down. And putting it on the cross is just your way of saying, God, I need this. I need you to, to provide this in my life. Um, in the back of the room are some candles, and light represents God's presence in the Bible. And maybe today you've, you've come into this place and you feel disconnected from God. And for you... You don't even know if God exists, let alone if he's the provider of anything. And maybe for you, your step, your response is to light a candle and say, God, I just need to know who you are. I, I need to know that you exist. So, so maybe your response is to light a candle. Uh, maybe you want to light a candle for someone else. That's okay. Uh, in the far back of the room, uh, in the cave, uh, there's a little area where prayer team members will, will be. And maybe you just need someone to pray for you today. You need to hear someone just say a prayer over you. You don't have to give details. Maybe you just go and, and you say, my name's Mike. Will you just say a prayer for me? And there's someone there who would love to pray for you. And then there's stations with communion around the room. And uh, maybe for you today, um, a reminder that God provided in Christ something that none of us could provide on our own. And that's a way back to him. So maybe you want to take communion. Uh, last week, we had some interesting moments with the communion. Um, and so this week, uh, there's a, a cup 
that has a little um, lid on it that you have to take off, but the bread is separate from the cup, so you'll find some bread there as well. You can take that. You can take it back to your seat and take it there. You can take communion here at the cross if you'd like to do that. You can take it back in the cave if you'd like to take it there. Um, just, just spend some time uh, reflecting, responding to God's spirit in your life. Let's begin by standing and After I say this prayer, just feel freedom to move around the room. God, you're a good God. You provide everything that we need. God, we trust you. We depend on you. And we thank you for loving us, for providing for us, um, as a father does. May uh, these moments be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name. Uh, one thing that I think is interesting about this prayer is that it's not a selfish prayer. Give us today our daily bread. And I think it's difficult to pray this without thinking, how does God provide to us more than we need in ways that he wants to provide to others? And I think it calls us to to begin to understand when we have more than we need, it's important that we share with others. Um, We've been trying to give you some practical tools, so I wanna end with this. Uh, One of the things we've been challenging you to is a daily prayer. Um, And this could be as simple as, you know, if you don't know where to start, uh, the Lord's Prayer, actually saying this every day. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those uh, who owe us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, Just every morning, like getting into this habit, this rhythm of keeping time, keeping company with God. The second uh, thing that I want to maybe challenge you with today is, is gratitude at every meal. I think this changes our perspective. Um, I, I grew up old school. Like we prayed at every meal, the beginning of every meal. My, my first job as a youth pastor, um, uh, we went out to lunch the first day on the job with the staff. And so we we're all sitting around this round table and they looked at me and said, Matt, would you pray for our meal? And I thought it was time to show that I was a prayer warrior. And so I started praying. And in the middle of my prayer, the pastor said, amen. I wasn't, I wasn't done. And I looked up like startled and he said, we're just thanking God for the food. Slow it down a little bit. And you know, this doesn't have to be some ceremony. Just thank God for what he's provided you. Every meal, God, I'm thankful for this food. Continue to provide what I need every day. And then in your journal this week, there's this try this page. And there's some challenges there for you, maybe to think about and to walk through your house and think about the things that you've needed over the years and what you might not need anymore. Um, So it's a good challenge for you to go with this week. So may you, may you turn to your Father. May, May you open that conduit to His grace and His love and His mercy. May you pray for His kingdom to come and commit yourself to this way of living. May you find that your Father in heaven knows your needs cares for every little one of them. And may you trust him to provide all that you need each and every day. Go in his grace and his peace and his love 
Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday, all right? See y'all.